Welcome, Rosary Warriors, to the Fighting with Beads podcast. I'm your host, David Harrison. We really have an interesting topic um, for this podcast. Um, more than a topic, it's actually a question. A question that I think is important to many, um, especially non-Catholics, but I even think Catholics as well um, might find this question intriguing. The question is this. Is the rosary biblical? If you are a Catholic, a non-Catholic may have objected to your praying the rosary with the accusation that it's not biblical. Some of you who are listening are not Catholic, and this question may be on the tip of your tongue even as I speak. Some who are Catholic may pray the rosary every day, but I've never given this much thought nor would you know how to answer the question if asked. No matter who you are, I'm glad you joined us, and it is my desire to answer the question during this podcast. First, we must consider what it means for something to qualify as biblical. Does it have to be explicitly mentioned in the Bible? For example, some would say the word rosary or praying with beads is not mentioned in the Bible, therefore it's not biblical. Is this correct? Well, let's deal with this issue um, using some examples. So the first example, the word Trinity applied to God is not in the Bible. It's a theological word developed later to explain the biblical mystery of one God, but three divine persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Would you go so far as saying the Trinity is not biblical? The truth is in the Bible, even though the word Trinity is not. How about another example? There is no explicit verse that states that Jesus was fully human and fully divine in Scripture. Yet I don't know a Bible-believing Christian who would deny that truth. The truth is biblical, even though not explicitly stated in the Bible. Now, people who oppose the rosary are often inconsistent with their own practice of what qualifies as biblical. For example, when asked, how can I become saved? Or how can I enter into a relationship with Christ? Evangelicals will often say, repeat after me. And they will begin to recite what they call the sinner's prayer. But you won't find the sinner's prayer in the Bible. The Bible nowhere tells a person that they must pray a prayer to be saved. For example, on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached a powerful sermon, and the people asked the apostles what should they do in response. You know what Peter said? He said, repent and be baptized. That's Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Notice what he does not say. He did not say, I want every head bowed and every eye closed. If you would like to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, repeat after me. 
Yet, evangelicals would defend this practice as biblical, while they accuse Catholics of being unbiblical for praying the rosary, they are doing things not mentioned in the Bible while claiming to follow the Bible alone. So they at least need to be aware of the inconsistency there. One last example. Sound equipment is not mentioned in the Bible. Yet most churches today use sound equipment. Some would say, yeah, but that's technology. That's not theology. Well, the sound equipment is being used to communicate theology. It's, it's communicating theology through music, through prayer, through preaching and teaching. I would argue that the rosary is an ancient technology designed to help people keep count of their prayers and meditate on key events from the Bible. It's a technology that communicates theology. So if sound equipment qualifies, so does the rosary. So hopefully we've established that something can be biblical without being explicitly stated in the Bible. Second, we've demonstrated that many who claim to follow the Bible alone actually believe and practice things not specifically mentioned in the Bible. That being established, let's get to the rosary. Now, I admit that the word rosary is not mentioned in the Bible. However, let's explore how biblical it really is. When beginning to pray the rosary, we make the sign of the cross. And we say, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Now, is that unbiblical to do so? Of course not. The cross is the means of our salvation. And Matthew 28, 19 reminds us that we are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And when we make the sign of the cross and we use that Trinitarian formula, we actually are recalling our baptism. Next, when it comes to the rosary, we re we re recite the Apostles' Creed. It's an ancient baptismal formula that is Trinitarian in structure as well. Trinitarian being that there's a section on the Father, a section on the Son, and then the Holy Spirit. Essentially, it is a brief summary of biblical truths. It predates the Nicene Creed um, from the early 300s AD, because the Nicene Creed expands the Apostles' Creed. So it goes back very early in the history of the church. And everything that's stated in that creed is biblical. It, in some sense, you could say it's the Bible in brief, or a sum summary of the Bible. Next, in praying the rosary, we pray the Our Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and so forth. This is how Jesus taught us to pray. This is what Jesus taught us to pray. The prayer comes directly from the Bible. If you don't believe me, just look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. We pray these exact words when we pray the Our Father. 
Next, we pray three Hail Marys, requesting increase in the virtues of faith, hope, and love. More about the Hail Mary in a minute. Let's concentrate on faith, hope, and love. St. Paul mentions these three virtues frequently in his New Testament writings. Uh, for one example, we can see in the book of Colossians, St. Paul is praying for the Christians um, there, and he basically says why. The, the, these are the words from Colossians chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. It says, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. So there it is, faith, love, and hope. Paul's praying for, for the Colossian Christians. So praying for faith, hope, and love is very biblical. Now, if you disagree with that, don't argue with me. Take that argument up with the Apostle Paul and the Holy Spirit. Next, with the rosary, we follow up with what's called the Glory Be. It goes like this. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Now, is there anything unbiblical about that? Is there any problem with that? No. In fact, it's quite biblical. For example, in Psalm 96, verse 8, we read these words, Ascribe glory to the Lord, the glory due his name. Another way of wording that is, Give glory to the Lord, the glory due his name. So this is something that we are told to do in Scripture in Psalm 96, 8. And if you remember when we quoted Matthew 28 earlier, it mentioned that we were baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Notice that name is singular there. Glorify the name of God. We are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So we ascribe the glory due God's name every time we pray a glory be. We are obeying Psalm 96, 8 when we pray a glory be. Then we move on in the rosary and we announce the first mystery. Each day is divided up into five mysteries. Basically, these are events from the New Testament, primarily the life of Jesus such as the announcement of his conception, his baptism, his transfiguration, his crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. And while we are praying a decade, it just means ten beads, but while we are praying a decade, we are meditating on that particular event. And we are essentially meditating on Scripture. And meditating on Scripture is encouraged in the Bible. In Psalm 1, praise is given to the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. 
So meditating on scripture, meditating on the words of the Bible um, is right there in Psalm 1. Meditating on scripture is biblical. So when we meditate on these events from the New Testament period, um, in these mysteries of the Holy Rosary, um, we're simply meditating on scriptural truth. After we announce the first mystery, we pray the Our Father again, the prayer Jesus taught us to pray, the very words of Jesus. So again, you cannot call that unbiblical. The Our Father is followed by praying ten Hail Marys while meditating on that particular mystery. Now, this is where some of you might bristle a bit. When we bring Mary into the picture, many non-Catholics have an adverse reaction. Before you object, you need to be aware of the words of the Hail Mary. It goes like this. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. What many don't realize is that these words are taken from the Gospel of Luke in the New Testament. In Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel appears to Mary and says, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. That's in Luke chapter 1, verse 28. That's the first part of the Hail Mary. It just adds Mary's name to the address. Hail means rejoice. Mary's not called by name, but she's addressed as full of grace, which best captures the original Greek grammar, especially the tense. Um, there's more to be said about um, her being full of grace, but that's for a later podcast. But later on in the same chapter of Luke, Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, who is pregnant with John the Baptist. When they meet, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and she says loudly, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? That's Luke chapter 1, verses 42 through 43. The second half of the Hail Mary is just what I read. It's the words of Elizabeth with the name of Jesus added. The third part of the Hail Mary addresses Mary as Mother of God. Now there's a lot more that can be said about that, and we will certainly address the historical, theological aspects of that in a future podcast. But just for now, notice that Elizabeth basically says the same thing in verse 43. She refers to Mary as the mother of my Lord. The mother of my Lord. So what you should realize is that when you pray the Hail Mary, you are essentially quoting or praying the very words of Scripture. 
The last part of the Hail Mary, ask Mary to pray for us. Now it needs to be established. Catholics do not worship Mary. But we do believe in asking holy people to pray for us. If you study the Old Testament, you'll also realize that when it came to the kings of the Jewish people, it was the mother of the king that played a special role. She was the queen mother, and people would approach her with their requests that they want, wanted to be brought to the king. We'll have to do a future podcast on the idea of the intercession of the saints and why it's appropriate to ask Mary to pray for us as well as deal with the theological history of this title of Theotokos, or Mother of God, for Mary. But for now, just realize that when a person prays a Hail Mary, they are praying the words of the Gospel of Luke, and they are acting upon biblical truth. We end each decade with another glory be which we've already covered, so we don't need to add any further comment on that. Now, this is often followed by what is called the Fatima Prayer, and it goes like this. O oh my Jesus, forgive us our sins. Save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those who are in most need of thy mercy. Now, it should be obvious that there is nothing unbiblical about this prayer. Asking Jesus to forgive our sins, asking to be saved from the fires of hell, and asking that others be led to heaven are all certainly um, ideas that are biblical. They're in harmony with Scripture. To pray a full rosary, we repeat this cycle five times so that we end up praying five decades of the rosary and meditating on five different New Testament mysteries for that day. And when it comes to repetition and um, prayer, we'll do a future podcast on that as well, because I know some uh, will have questions about that. But how does the rosary end? Um, there are two concluding prayers generally. The first is Hail, Holy Queen. It goes like this. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious advocate, your eyes of mercy towards us. And after this, our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of your womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us. O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Now, we don't have time to completely unpack this, but let me emphasize what's going on here. It's based on the church's the early church's understanding of Mary as the new Eve, who had undone with her obedience what Eve had done with her disobedience. And just as Eve was the mother of all the living, Mary is the mother of all those made spiritually alive through her son. 
It's also based on the first announcement of the gospel found in Genesis chapter 3, where we are told that it is a woman who will give birth to a son who will crush the head of the serpent. This prayer is also an appeal for Mary to lead us to the fruit of her womb, which is Jesus. It's a request that Mary pray for us as well. Now, Mary is addressed here as Holy Queen. Is that biblical? Is it appropriate to refer to her in that way? It is when you understand the Old Testament role of the mother of the king, the queen mother, as mentioned earlier. It's also biblical when you go to the last book of the Bible. In Revelation, we read about a woman in heaven, clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. That's Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. Who could this woman be who has been crowned with twelve stars in heaven? If we read on, she is described as giving birth to a male child, one who is to rule the nations. That's Revelation chapter 12, verse 5. It also tells us that this woman and her child are opposed by Satan. So let me ask you, which woman gave birth to the Messiah? I know of only one, Mary. Who would be specifically targeted by Satan? The woman and her son, who was prophesied as the means of Satan's defeat, way back in Genesis chapter 3. Now there is more to this passage that we will have to discuss later. Again, we'll do a future podcast just on Mary and the Rosary. But here we see the mother of the Messiah crowned queen in heaven. The final prayer ends the Rosary this way. O God, whose only begotten Son, by his life, death, and resurrection, has purchased for us the rewards of eternal life, grant, we beseech you, that while meditating on these mysteries of the Most Holy Rosary of the Blessed Virgin Mary, we may imitate what they contain and obtain what they promise through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. This sums up the biblical truth of our salvation through Christ. And it's a request that we obtain what is promised in these biblical mysteries through the same Christ whom we have meditated upon. So that's it when it comes to the rosary. Now I know this may have been a lot to take in if you are new to the rosary. You may want to listen to the podcast over. Uh, You may want to um, get a guide to the rosary to kind of follow along to help you if you're new to the rosary. Um, But it may have been a surprise for some of you who've been praying the rosary for years. You may not have realized um, just how much the rosary is rooted in Scripture. I mean, it really is Scripture on a string, if you will. Uh, Perhaps this podcast has raised some new questions for you. Don't worry, I will likely address those in future podcasts. But let's... In conclusion, go back to our original question. Is the rosary biblical? Here are some key ideas that we've established. 
We demonstrated that something does not have to be explicitly mentioned in the Bible to be biblical. We talked about the rosary being a form of prayer. Well, prayer is biblical. The story of salvation that is recited in the Apostles' Creed, that story of salvation accomplished by the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is certainly biblical. Of course, the words that we pray in the rosary, such as the Our Father and the Hail Mary, um, these are praying the very words of Scripture, and of course, that is biblical. Events from the Bible are biblical. So when we meditate upon these mysteries, um, we are meditating on events from the New Testament. And meditating on the Word of God is biblical as we demonstrated. It is also biblical to understand Mary as the Queen Mother of the Divine King, Jesus the Christ, who was prophesied about in Genesis 3 as being instrumental in the defeat of Satan. And of course, asking Jesus for forgiveness of sins and salvation is biblical. So, to answer the question simply, prayer plus scripture plus biblical meditation makes the rosary one of the most biblical prayers that one can pray. Let me repeat that. In answer to the question, is the rosary biblical? Put simply, prayer plus scripture plus biblical meditation makes the rosary one of the most biblical prayers that one can pray. This is David Harrison, and you've been listening to the Fighting With Beads podcast. I invite you to visit my website, fightingwithbeads.com, for the latest podcast, as well as other material. We're adding new material to the website all the time, so it will increase, so keep returning. But until next time, keep fighting with those beads, knowing that you are praying a prayer that is deeply rooted in sacred scripture. This is David Harrison, signing off.